Hey, what's up, guys? It's Nick here. We have another Coast to Coast podcast this week. James and I hopped on Instagram Live to talk about all kinds of stuff. And we touch on portfolio stuff, freelance stuff. I think you'll enjoy it. Kind of a casual episode. Um, of course, we want to thank our promotional partner, Let's Design Daily, on Instagram. They post amazing work from designers across the world, so check them out if you haven't already. And hop on the Discord. I want to hear what you guys think about this episode. I want to hear your thoughts and conversations over there. Um, of course, if you have a question, feel free to email us, minordetailspodcast at gmail.com. And of course, subscribe on YouTube. Give us a follow on Spotify. Rate five stars on Apple Podcasts. You guys know the deal. Um, shout out to Kyoshi the Kid, too, for the amazing intro and outro. And let's run that right now. I'm Nick. And I'm James. And we are two industrial designers across the country. Sweating the small stuff. And we're uh we're doing a little uh a little bit of a new podcast style this week. Yes. We are live on Instagram, so I guess if you're listening to the podcast, you probably are a fan of the Instagram too. So maybe you've already listened to the podcast. I'm not really sure. We're just trying it out. But uh, yeah, we're mostly doing, trying it out because we had too many technical difficulties with Zoom, and so we thought we would just record this way instead. Yeah, Zoom, Zoom was not being friendly to us today, so not at all. Um, what's but up? Yeah, it's all, it's also weird. We have comments coming in. I don't know. I mean, maybe we can get to some of the questions. <laughs> I think uh, Instagram Live is always a little bit crazy with all the comments, but um. How you been though, man? Uh, not too bad. Just uh, still chilling out here in Los Angeles, waiting out the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're on Baby Watch 2020. That's countdown, right, dude. Countdown That's to right. Baby. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm currently sitting in, in what will be the future nursery. Oh, okay. Cool. That's awesome. Are you getting all kinds of um, like supplies and like cribs and things? Oh yeah, we got cribs. We got cribs in our crib. Well, not, well, not yet actually, but uh, but we've got um, yeah, we've gotten some stuff from family and friends, which has been great. Uh, actually, got the uh, Lalo stroller that visibility oh, nice. okay. helped uh, design, and um, so yeah, it's been. Uh, it's been interesting. I mean, there's literally like not a day that goes by that we don't get a package. And there was one day where I think we got like four different packages at four separate times. It just, they just kept coming. I'll tell you what, man. I feel like everyone's getting packages nowadays. People can't go outside just ordering everything. I yeah. ordered like, I started ordering some like pantry items. I don't know. It's trying to order as much as I can without having to go outside. I know. It's uh, it's weird. How much decontamination? How much? How much wiping, like alcoholic wipes, are you using on your packages, or none at all? None. I, I mean, you know, for me, I like, 
I definitely wash my hands after I touch packages and things. I yeah. just, there's a certain level of obsession that I really, it seems almost absurd to get to. Um, right. And I'm just not there yet. And thankfully, it seems from the numbers that I've been reading currently, um, I mean, I guess that will probably date the podcast a bit, but, um, you know, beginning of May, it seems like it's starting to decline here in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So slowly, slowly coming out of it, hopefully, at least for now. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting times, but uh, we got to, you know, we got to move on. Got to keep living yeah. our lives. How have For you sure. been living your life otherwise? Been good. Um, been working from my from my room and uh, I try not to go to the studio too much. Maybe once a week just to check on it. If I need to print something, I'll go. Um, but yeah, I uh, maybe the one update I have is I selected an, an intern. Oh, I think I think last podcast we had mentioned that I was looking for an intern, so I did select that person. Um, so I thought I could share some insights about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's uh, yeah, let's uh, go to. I mean, how many applicants did you get? I got a hundred. Okay. And, and I, how I long? Only... And how long on average did you look at a portfolio? Um, all right. So my process was. I think, so I, I posted a story and an Instagram post that said, mm. hey, I'm looking for an intern. I believe that's it. I think I just posted one of each. Got 100 submissions. I set up an email filter so that anyone that puts internship in the subject, it filtered to an email. Mm. And then I, I think I waited a week or maybe more and then you know picked a day, like one day, and just like clicked through all 100 of them as fast as I could, like I would open up the email and click the very first link. I didn't read it at all. I didn't read the cover letter. I didn't even look at the Instagram. Yeah. I would just immediately immediately click the link that they had um, to see their work. And then I would review the work, like briefly. I would say 30 seconds maybe, um, just to decide like, is this, is this like, viable like is this person like is is this a an option and if it was an option then i then i selected them and so i think like i had like i don't know 30 30 applicants make it to the second tier yeah um and then from there i took some time and actually like sat down and searched through the website and then also went back and read their um their cover letter uh and checked their instagram um and picked 10 people to zoom call with um but like I think that's some that's a really key insight to to realize that like I had a hundred applicants and I looked at each website for thirty seconds. Like if your website does not convey ideas, good ideas and good skills within thirty seconds, you're, you're done. Like like if you have good ideas at the bottom of your website, it's done. You're done. I, I'm not <laughs> scrolling all the way down there, you know. Um, I'll tell you one thing. There's so there's a few things that like caught me. I think the biggest thing was just standing out from the crowd. Like I'll I'll tell you what, there was one person that rickrolled me. What like literally rickrolled you? <laughs> yes, they said, "Here is my website." And the the link was a was to a rickroll. 
Oh my the, gosh, you know, R- Rick Astley. Yeah, and um, and I was so impressed by that that I I they made it to the final round. They did unfortunately they didn't get selected, but I at least had a call with them and was like, wait, hey, so when did props, you actually see their that. work? <laughs> when? Um, they no, they also had decent work too. So, uh, it the. <laughs> It was just such a good, I don't know. It's just like that thing is memorable, right? Like it doesn't matter. It it definitely was a bold move and it could have been a bad bold move for yeah. many people. But I think they knew their audience. They knew me. They knew that like, hey, I'm I'm casual. Like here, I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm on Instagram asking for interns. Um, but the beginning of the email was like, hey, here's my website. And then the rest, and then the, the next paragraph was like, here's some generic, text that makes it look like i'm actually writing a thoughtful like you know paragraph about a cover letter it 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 was pretty bold i i will say it was pretty it was pretty kind of um it it was definitely bold cocky maybe um but hey like it got my attention yeah um and so so you down selected from 100 to how many to thirty. To thirty. The, the first, the first hundred was like thirty second quick pass. Yeah. And then thirty was like, all right, let me take a few minutes and look at these projects and kind of see, hey, is this person some somebody I want to you know talk to for a half hour? Um, I will say, okay, I'm gonna read through some of these things that I found. There was a lot of like lay minutiae kind of design. Mm. There was a lot of just like, uh, renders that looked pretty much like they're ripped off of lay minutiae, um, which. You know, that's a whole, that's a whole conversation that I don't really, we don't need to get into that right now. But um, I think the key there is that, again, they just didn't stand out, right? Like, I, we've all seen this stuff done, overdone a gazillion times, the freaking rounded rectangle with some, you know, fancy, nice, you know, plastic material on it. Yeah. Um, I was really interested in people who had interesting projects. Like yeah. A project that was like super interesting but also, again, conveyed that idea in that, like, quick 30-second, like, look. Um, another thing that caught my eye was videos. There was a few people that had videos. And for whatever reason, I tended to stop and watch these videos hmm. as opposed to, you know, pictures and stuff. You're talking about videos explaining the project? Yeah. Basically. So, like, if they, if they had, like, a, a video of their prototype, I would definitely watch that. Um, and I think, I mean, I think the thing is, is like part of that is because they built their project too. Mm-hmm. Like it's a physical thing that they could make a video of. So I think there's kind of twofold there. I mean, you could definitely make a video of like animations of a render, but still, I think most of the videos were like physical objects that people were, you know, playing around with. Yeah. And what um, what would you say the quality, would you say that there was like a quality to the video or would you say it's like it was kind of, they were just rough and ready kind of demonstrative videos? Rough and ready. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing, nothing super fancy, nothing super polished. Sometimes it was just like a cardboard model and like just a video of how it worked. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think night, we, a, you know, on a background. I think we forget sometimes how powerful motion is, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to product and product that has, you know, maybe especially if one transforms in some sort of way or 
has a certain way of functioning that just like you can't really capture. Yeah. And I mean, that's why that's why I'm a fan of gifts too, you know? Yeah. Oh, you're the gift meister. <laughs> um, I think that was generally it. I think another really key thing was just good photography. Mm. Um, people who took the time to just set up a nice white background and got, got some natural light in, in there really stood out. I, obviously, I'm speaking all these things from my perspective, and that's what I like. So I'm kind of looking for things that reinforce my ideals. Right. Um, but still, like I, I don't think my ideals are that far off from what other people like. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think there's some nuggets in there that were, could definitely be taken and used. Did, um, did anybody that didn't get the internship, did they reach back out for feedback? And did you provide yes. feedback? <laughs> I'm pretty sure all of them reached back out. Oh, no. All 100? No, no, no. All, all. I interviewed ten. I zoom called with ten. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I didn't even get to that. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I, I finally selected ten people that I was like, okay, these people, I think, all of them could be good interns. Let me talk to them. Um. And I realized, like, I think maybe a big thing that I took away from this is that, you know, it's about the personality too, right? Like. I, I think the portfolio gets you the call, but the call is really for you to express yourself, to be to be who you are. Right. Um, and connect, connect. So, like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, everyone was great on the Zoom call. It was hard. It was really hard to make a decision. Um, but, like, you know, it's just who, who did I connect with and have a good conversation with? It right. wasn't really about, like, let me let's walk through your projects like i see your projects i don't really want to you know hear you talk about like how you sanded a piece of you know wood or whatever um (laughs) you know it's it it was really about like hey how's it going you know i i think uh another way uh one person stood out to me was they were outside they had like you know everyone else is in their room and there was one person that like took the time to like sit outside and like had a nice background. Mm. So that also stood out to me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are, those are things I think like the key takeaways is like, you got to stand out. And then, you know, the other key takeaways, like when you do the, the zoom calls, like it's all about your personality. I, I will say also, and this is very much, I think a subjective thing. And I, I think everyone's gonna be different on this, but, um, you know, I, I feel like I was more attracted to people who were very enthusiastic about the job. Right. Really seemed excited about coming and, and interning with me. Um, and I realized that not, like, I realized that people may not seem excited, but they really are. And it's hard to, you know, some people aren't as outgoing as others. So I know that's like a, like an iffy thing. Yeah. But if, if you are not outgoing, I would just say like, try to really push it, you know, try to, try to be really excited and happy. Right. Um, when, when you're uh, on the zoom call, yeah. cause it, it just, it just was a contrast. You know, you, you would, I would call one person and they, they were like, yes, like, how's it going? Like, I'm really excited to talk to you. And then I call another person and then they were certainly happy to talk to me, but it wasn't like, as like, oh my gosh, what, you know, it wasn't like that energy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean it's and it's it's interesting. There's right? nothing interesting. there's nothing more infectious than genuine genuine enthusiasm. 
Um, for sure. And uh, I don't know. It can be hard to it can be hard to fake if you are actually faking it. Um, yeah. And you know that that kind of like touches on projects where you're not necessarily so enthusiastic about it, but you have to sell. You have to sell an idea. Um, yeah. But. Uh, but yeah, no, it just it just makes me think of like, oh gosh, who's that one kid who was just having a rough day and then they got on the phone with Nick Baker, lost their shot. <laughs> yeah, and and that yeah, and that's true. It's like they could have, you know, they could have been the one, but it that day was yeah. just not it, it's a, good for them. And that, and that and that sucks. Like I don't know, I don't know how to you solve can't, that problem. You can't but. really unless you did unless you acted as if you were a multi tiered organization and had multiple interviews but you yourself came in as different characters. Like I'm the head of Nick Baker studios. Oh, uh, you're going to have to talk to the creative director of Nick Baker studios. And then you, you like put on, put on a mustache and then you, you have a separate call. You do, you do like three different calls, three different interviews as different people. Yeah. That's when you really get a good sense of some of the possible intern. Yeah, that seems a quite a quite a quite a, a lengthy uh, it's, process. Trust me, Nick, it's worth it. <laughs> oh man. Um, well, we're we're doing Instagram Live, so I thought we'd try to ping a little bit back and forth here. We have a question or kind of a comment slash question um, along this topic of uh, how to be enthusiastic. And this person says, "This is Og Magnus," and they say, "But should." you'd be faking it. If you are not an enthusiastic person, should you try to fake enthusiasm? Mm. Like, you know, I'm sure you're enthusiastic, but how do you fake, fake enthusiasm? Like, how, how do you do that? I, well, I don't know if it's as much faking it as it is finding the thing to be enthusiastic about, you know? Just like, I think a lot of times, a, a lot point. of times, like when you're trying to, when you're like building enthusiasm or you are enthusiastic about something, you can sort of, there's sort of this overarching, like scent, like you're picturing yourself in a certain place at a certain time and how you're going to feel in that moment and like how good that's going to feel and how good it's going to be like. And so if you can put yourself in that place of like, you know, how great it's going to be. I'm going to be living in New York. I'm going to be, you know, around really talented designers, not just like, obviously I'm going to be working for a really talented designer, but I'm also going to be around a lot of people. Like, uh, I'm going to be getting to like, look into the work and the process of this person that I, that I really love, really love looking at the work of on, on Instagram, like sort of build up that story. Yeah. And, and like that will build the enthusiasm around it. Um, that's a good point too. Yeah, I like that. I yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, I I think you're right. Like I think you gotta kind of prep yourself. You know, you gotta kind of get excited before yeah. the call. Maybe even do some jumping jacks. Heard, that's true. That's true. Have you heard like? Uh, I think I've mentioned this on a old podcast. So like. There's like tricks and tips to like do before it, things to do before interviews, just so that you're like pumped up and excited. Like if you do like the Superman pose where you put your hands on your hips and like <laughs> look look in the mirror and be like you're gonna you gotta do a good job, and you go into the interview and I don't know. I mean it 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 helps me personally, but um, 
or like uh if you smile like if you make a fake smile like if you just make a like if you just move your muscles to smile i think there's this uh like psychological trick that you actually feel happy right like even though like there's nothing that's changed other than the muscles in your yeah. face. I think the muscle signals like make your brain think that you're happier. right. One one thing that I actually have found that is good for like when we record the podcast is if I listen to a really good conversation before we start the podcast. Like if I listen to a podcast where people are talking and they're talking concisely and they're talking enthusiastically or whatever it is. Like it's a very interesting conversation that I'm listening to. Like that energy then goes into the podcast. Uh, yeah, I like know. that. Yeah. So I don't know how you apply that to interviews, but I think like I don't know if you can sort of if you can have a conversation with someone before you start the interview, just so that you get into the rhythm of talking. I I don't know maybe. Maybe that would be beneficial um, rather than just going into an interview, having talked to nobody all day or like. Yeah, that's a that's a good point, too. Like, especially if it's like a Zoom call or something. Yeah. If you if you are just if you've been like sitting in your room all day and that and the Zoom call is the very first time you speak words, I think you're going to be a little. Yeah, rusty. it's kind of like how if you if you were to go like network or or do whatever like you, you know you always find like your first conversation is always kind of the most awkward conversation but then once yeah. you get into a rhythm and a flow you can sort of bounce around from conversation to conversation but it's just about getting that ball rolling initially yeah but uh wait yeah. so you didn't pick the rick roller and did you pick no. the person who had the the background, the outdoor background? Uh, I did, yes. Um, oh, okay. So that was the deciding factor. The, yeah, the, the the nice nature scene outside. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna keep it anonymous for now. Just right. You know, things are out of things are yeah. still uh, kind of going around, go, going around because yeah. So it's still, uh, uh, yeah. You get the point. Hey. Have you have you considered uh, sort of Plan B if uh, if you're not able to? Well, there are they in New York City. They are, yeah. Okay, so that makes things a lot easier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Were I, you? I definitely. You been, sorry, had you been considering anybody outside of New York City? Yeah, yeah. There was I like my top three. I think one of them was would have had to move. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a really hard decision. I I think all all ten of them were like really good candidates. Um, so it was hard to hard to really narrow it down. But um, but yeah, I'm excited for it. I mean, it's it's gonna be exciting to be able to like have someone else to bounce ideas off of and and work on in the stu- work on projects in the studio. So um, yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, everything will blow over so we can we can keep moving on with our design lives and everything. So yeah, for sure. Um, that's cool. That's really, those are some really good insights. Are there any more questions um, that I have think, come in? I think the one comment was people were asking on the Instagram live. It, they wanted to hear more detail about what makes a good project or what makes a bad project. 
Um, I think, you know, I, I think the thing is for me, in kind of like this goes back kind of what we were saying is like it needs to be understandable in that like first five seconds. If right. I open up a website, I click on the very first. I open up a website here. I'll just walk you through my process. I open up a website. Usually, you know, it's some sort of grid layout or something. You see a couple projects on the homepage. And I click on the one that looks most interesting to me. And I think most interesting to me, you know, probably pertains to houseware, you know, things that I'm interested in personally. Um, and also just a thing that has like a nice photograph. Um, if it If it's like a bad photograph of like if it's a dimly lit room and there's like a prototype in there, like I'm not going to click on that. If it's like <laughs> a nice clean like detail of a chair, then Hey, I'll probably click on that. Yeah. Um, so those photos are like, if somebody snuck up on a prototype, <laughs> right, exactly. Like, <laughs> what you doing in there? <laughs> um, so I'll click on that and then I'll scroll through for another like five seconds and I really just want to get the gist. Like, I really want to see, like, what is this idea? What's this idea about? Um, and if there is a bunch of, like, you know, bunch of images, bunch of, like, research, bunch of, like, text, bunch of, like, graphics plopped over images, I don't want to look at that. That's not pleasing to, to my eye. Like, you know, you look at Apple's website, everything's beautiful. Everything's clean. It's very nicely composed. Everything's um, boring. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I think the ideas are not there. That's not a good comparison. But uh, if you had the cleanness and simpleness of conveying uh, your project that Apple has on their website paired with a really strong idea, then I think that would be that would stand out a lot to me. So, um I know. I hope. Hopefully, yeah. that sheds some light on on projects that were good versus bad. I I have one, maybe one last question. Yeah. And that is, do you think that you can sense enthusiasm, like in in a portfolio? I mean, you can certainly sometimes. Question. You can certainly sometimes sense a person's personality. Like those are always the portfolios that I am like gravitate towards. Is where I can sort of sense what this person's going to be like yeah because i feel like that's i mean it's just really impressive because it's really hard to capture who you are as a designer through the standard portfolio i i think i can definitely see portfolios of of passionate people versus mm -hmm. portfolios of people that just want a job right or like just are doing the projects like because the professor told them to do the projects, you know what I mean? Like, right, right. Like, like you know, I saw a lot of this. It was like a project that someone did because it was like a school. I mean, that's obviously why you're in school to do school projects. But what I mean is like, I think when you're really passionate about something, you have kind of a different mindset about school where you're doing this school project for yourself to like show the world, right? And not just to get a grade. Um, and I think that definitely shows up in portfolios. Yeah. You kind of, when you kind of just see the, the, the riffraff of like, oh, hey, 
professor told us to design a toaster, so I designed a toaster, and it looks like a a brawn, you know, you know, speaker or whatever. It's like right. You didn't even think about how to toast toast, right? You did. You weren't even thinking like what? How should I even toast this bread? You were just thinking, it needs to be a box. It needs to have a button. It needs to have a slider. Um, that is not impressive to anyone. Uh, so, I, I think. <laughs> Sorry, I am generalizing. That was not impressive to me, for sure. I yeah. Think, I think uh, I'm looking for a lot more of a thought process and a lot more passion behind something. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i thinking I'm thinking back to when I, like, looked at your portfolio for the first time before we ever met, and I, and I felt like I got a sense of a personality in that that was really captivating. And yeah, that's a tough one. It's really tough. Cause, cause, Cause I, when you're a student, yeah. you don't have that. You don't really have that formed yet. You know, like you don't have like your style formed yet. So I, I guess I'm not talking about style. I'm more thinking of like passion and I don't really know. Maybe, maybe we're getting too abstract with it, but I, I see yeah. what you're saying. Um, I, I, I keep coming up with other questions because I've, I've, I don't know. This is a good topic. Uh, especially right now as people are graduating and they're trying to figure things out. Um, I'm, I'm wondering you just, you just brought up this thing about the brawn toaster, like the toaster that's just kind of like obvious and yeah. And, um, so would you say that you would, you would prefer somebody who you feel like is reaching, like they don't necessarily come up with like the absolute best solution but you can feel that there's ambition versus, you know, somebody who's just, who's just going like so, so clean and it just feels like they're checking off the boxes. Yes, me personally. But that is just my, that's my view of the world, right? Like, yeah, I think that's how I like to do my projects and that's how I like other people to do their projects. But I definitely see the value of that kind of, check the boxes, fill in the blank. I can go work at X, Y, and Z brand and, you know, be a cad monkey. I think, well, maybe not a cad monkey. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to like downplay that. I, I definitely understand that those types of projects and those types of designers are are an avenue to take. I think I definitely prefer that like out of the box thinking. Mm-hmm. I will say this goes back to my point again about standing out when you do these out of the box projects when you rethink how toast can be toasted you know <laughs> when you it's when always you, toast with you how many slices of toast do you have a day nick uh how i many? wish i had i wish i had more i i i have two slices of bagels well, i guess one bagel one bagel two yeah do you have a do you have a bagel guillotine do you have a, a no. bagel slicer? No, I you don't just have, have a, a bagel knife. slicer. No, we actually, don't actually. I don't need a bagel slicer. He needs a bagel slicer, James. Do you have a bagel slicer? You, listen, Nick. If you ever have any hopes of opening a successful bagel franchise within New York City, <laughs> Baker's Bagels. I, <laughs> I mean, come on, the checks write themselves. Oh man, I, I, uh, it would be nice to have a bakery one day. That'd be cool. Yeah, I, I definitely think it, would, it would probably I'd, be a nightmare though. No, no, I wouldn't run it. I would hire someone to run it, but you would hire an intern to run it. 
maybe i don't know yeah <laughs> um but yeah so i think those out of the box projects help you stand out i will say this though i think it's good to have a balance of both the out of the box projects and the run of the mill hey i can design you know i can solve the problem i can design for the brand you know i can, yeah. I can do x y and z i can render i can cad i think if you have a mix of those i think that builds a strong portfolio for the general job market because yeah. one you're going to be standing out and then two you're also showing off that hey like if you need me to i can sit down and knock something you know knock a simple yeah. design out yeah um, if i would say that there was one thing that was missing from my education uh it was projects that were revolved around brands because mm -hmm. most of it was just you know prompts it was prompts around problems or problem areas and not around hey like we need you to design a new whatever for this company yeah well and i actually i actually prefer that i i did not want to do the projects that were about brands in school yeah but i I definitely see I the think, value. I see the value of it. I think there's a tremendous value in it. I mean, uh, you know, we're you're also speaking as a as a person who likes to take on a certain type of project. You know, you're you're I wouldn't say that your career has been well, actually right out of school your career was very brand focused. Yeah. But uh but I think, you know, there are those people that will go into a a, a brand environment where brand language is is key understanding brand language is key and and being able to execute something that feels familial with everything within that brand and so and i also just think it's a good exercise for understanding how to build your own design languages if you were to start your own brand because otherwise you know like what what is a better starting point than to try and emulate the 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 brand of of something more established yeah when you're it's like it's like the old story about hunter s thompson retyping the great gatsby to understand what it felt like to write the great american novel it's like like why not i mean i i think that there should be a good mixture within school of those brand focused but then also just like you know those pure design school like you know, design thinking prompts. Yeah, I I agree. Um, that was good. Yeah, that was hopefully that was helpful to some people. Are there um, any other any other questions pop up? I don't think there's questions. Plenty of comments in here. Um, yeah, some funny comments. But um, is this? Oh, here's a question. Again, back to the portfolio. Portfolios are always a a hot topic. Um. Is the standard grid type portfolio a good way to go? Does breaking the grid stand out or is it nice to know and see where you're going to navigate? I would say if you are not a expert web designer or developer or graphic designer, if you're not an expert in that space, just stick with the template. Like, yeah, keep it simple. Um, keep it simple with simple pictures on simple backdrops, add your text not on top of the pictures, you know, below the pictures or in between the pictures, however you want to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would say keep it simple. I think you, there are definitely 
people out there that can break the norm and do some interesting themes and and things that don't align to the grid but you know again i'm looking at it for 30 seconds and all i want to see is some some cool some cool stuff like yeah you know um yeah i think i think it's important to understand the grid before you break it um and after after a while you'll start to gain some intuitions about how to work with the grid or or how like you don't really need to work with the grid because you can sort of perceive that organization um but um this is kind of unrelated but it was something that i thought of you know when we were uh working at control labs so this this is kind of a separate thing but i think it could also apply to students and maybe even professionals um uh the graphic designer we brought in who's your roommate what, what's his name housemate housemate uh jack. housemate jack jack so jack when he was designing the control labs logos one of the pages that he would put within his proposals was the logo amongst other logos like other companies to compare. Yeah, yeah. to compare and to see how it sort of fits in um, or, you know, fits yeah, in or how, stands it, out. how it yeah. fits in or stands out. And I, I thought that was so interesting. And I think, I don't know if any industrial designers do that is like true. at the, during a project, putting your product in the middle of like once, you know, everybody creates the matrix the, yeah. like the product matrix of where the opportunity is, but nobody I know of ever plops the product back into the matrix and is like, like, does this, how does this, you know, compare to all of these other products around it? How does it stand out? Does it not stand out? Does it? Yeah. I, that is I thought a, that was really interesting. I really like that. Yeah. I have never done that and I never had that realization until now. Um, but that could be that could be cool to see in a portfolio and it's also a great way to measure yourself against the competition is like you're working on those renderings and like how does it really match up to other things on the market like does it feel resolved does it yeah. feel as resolved as the things that are out on the market yeah because that that will also boost the perception of your work for sure. Um, you know, just a thought. No, that's great. Um, I think there's a few more questions in here if we want to answer them. Yeah, let's do it. Um, we have Jay Liv. They say, what do you think is your most influential project? Influential project? <laughs> I think there's two sides to this coin. One is, what is the most influential to you personally? And the other oh, is, yeah. what do you think is most influential as like a, a societal thing. Mm. I mean, I think the project that we worked on for control labs, I, I, I think is probably going to be influential on a society level. Um, yeah, I know we can't talk about it too much, but definitely check, check out the company if you're interested. It's on our yeah, website. For sure. Um, I don't know about a personal level. That's an interesting one. What's the most influential on a personal level? Yeah. So this is interesting because this is actually something that I've been diving back into recently. Um, 
is just uh, and it and I think it's going to feed into my talk tomorrow with uh, lens with the uh, advanced design. Um, but I've been really like going back to my like the roots of of like basically when I started to notice design and what I was excited about. Yeah. Because I think one thing that we one thing that we don't ruminate on enough, I think as designers is like, is that first, that first time where you notice design or just what got you excited about products when you weren't a designer, you know, like hmm. I, and, and that, that's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently. And also just like what got me interested in design in the first place. Um, and I've probably told this story before on the podcast, but it's this very specific product when I worked at this toy store in Ocean City, New Jersey, and it's called Astro Jacks. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, one of the things that I think I'm going to show um, tomorrow in my talk is like I bought Astro Jacks when they were a really tiny company and they hadn't yet gotten acquired, I don't think. Or it was that or they didn't have a designer yet. And, and so I got this, I got this, you know, packaging, this original packaging that was just like, it was so, I don't know, it was amateur hour, but the product itself, I still really loved and still like really enjoyed using. But the next summer when I was working at the toy store, Astrojack suddenly had a commercial out and they had hired, uh, I think they had hired this designer at this point who's whose name I I'll, we should shout this guy out for this podcast. His name is Alex Hochstrasse and uh, he's a Swiss designer, but the packaging, like everything about this, the holistic experience was just so good. It was so, so good. It caught my attention. Like I would just sit there at the toy store and stare at these products because I was just enamored. Like I, yeah. and I, and I couldn't, I couldn't like, I don't know. I couldn't put my finger on exactly what it was. I think I think I was starting to build up like maybe some vocabulary about like why I thought this was these products were so interesting. Um and just skill toys in general got me really excited. Um, I mean, I, I I had a pair of Astrojacks. I really Which ones? Do uh, you know? They were clear and purple. Yeah. I believe they were purple. Okay, so those are the Venus I love how you know I, all of them. That's oh, hilarious. Yeah, I, um, I've actually I've actually gone online and started like to track down some of the original stuff to get stuff in the original packaging. Yeah, because it was it was such a huge influence on me. Interesting. And um, and for those who aren't familiar, Astrodex are like two spheres and then a fixed yeah. with a a rope, and then in the middle is a sphere that moves, and yeah. it's just like a a again a skill toy like james said it's so. yeah it's kind of a juggling toy yeah um like, like a yo-yo somewhere, it's somewhere between juggling and and yo-yoing mm -hmm. um so yeah but uh that's not a project though that's not something you did james that's a that's something no that no no like... that's that's the influential product that's oh that's, that's the... the thing that was influential on me interesting uh the person said it was uh the person asked about projects like the projects you've done but but you were the one who said you Nick 
You said that could be taken two ways. Projects that you admire and projects that you've done. Okay. I was... Fair enough. Um, I, 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 think what I, was, I think what I meant is like, what is a project that you have done that you personally grew from? And then what is a project mm. that you have done that had the most impact like had the most influence on others um so i i answered our project that we had the most influence on was our control labs project Um, right for me personally i kind of feel like it's my first studio project like my tilting light is that weird Mm. that's my first one that was the most influential i mean i guess that makes sense it makes sense because it's like going from zero to you know 90 or whatever um yeah I mean that that you know my tilting lamp was the one where I like really dove into Nata Fukusawa and like learned I don't know I just learned about designers in the world I don't know it was kind of that eye opening experience but that was a school project so right yeah I mean there's nothing wrong with that um I think um a project that had a lot of influence on me I mean yeah the control labs project for sure and I guess there is there is sort of like a studio project that kind of has a lot of the the process around it and the process that we learned from it has been influential since then, which is the 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 form families project. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, so the so the one that Reed and I have done, we did our watering can project around, and um, but the reason that it's been so influential, not just in teaching us the form families that we learned, um, was just the idea that you could, you could take an idea and pass it through a a filter to come up with, um, numerous variations on that product, that product that could expose some areas of opportunity. So I think that was very influential. Like I I think that led me to doing continuous line sketching because that was just a different kind of filter to put onto a project to find some new opportunities. And um, yeah, so that was, that was pretty influential. Unfortunately, the project that I ended up with for that particular assignment was very phallic looking. (laughs) The curse of a designer, man. So I, I passed that one through the triple X filter, essentially. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, but otherwise, yeah, very influential. Um, we have another question here I think is a, a good one to kind of go off of. And I think there's also some uh, peripheral tangential questions, this one. But uh, this one comes from Tejisha. They say, how important is it to get work experience before starting a freelance career? Hmm. I feel like we've, we've maybe answered this, a similar kind of question. Um, because I, I feel like we've talked about how we both kind of started out corporate. We, yeah. we both, we both started out with full-time jobs and then transitioned into freelance. I don't know that it's necessary. And actually, to bring some new information into this, I was just watching Michael DiTullo's video about um, what to do 
like when you're getting a job, like right. trying to get a job. And he actually didn't have a job for the first like six months out of school. And, um, and so he like, he had to pick up freelance work. Essentially he, he like, he ended up picking up some freelance work. And I think that you can go that route. I just feel like it's, it's going to be really challenging. Yeah. If you, if you don't have any basis for, for working professionally. Yeah. I mean, I have definitely always been on the side of you shouldn't go freelance straight out of school. The main reason is, is I think you just don't know how products are made. Like school doesn't teach you the entire ecosystem of how something goes from an idea to the store shelf. Um, mm. I mean, the, you know, they teach you manufacturing processes. This is how stuff's injected and molded. But they don't teach you that, like, you know, Karen from marketing wants it to be purple because her daughter likes... Like, they don't teach you those nuances <laughs> and, and, and those... You know, there, there's just a lot more that goes into that. It. That is the design education we all missed. I'm imagining like a design obstacle course where you're trying to get your your prototype to market, and and it's like a physical obstacle course, and there's like a a, a two dimensional cutout of Karen that pops up. Uh oh, Karen wants to make it purple. Because her daughter likes purple. What are you going to do? And then right after that, it's another Karen. And and then she's like, oh, just kidding, yellow. And you got to switch it again. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, Uh, Sorry. uh, But yeah, I I definitely think I I would strongly recommend that you do full-time work before you before you go freelance and and maybe that's an internship like maybe you get an internship after graduating i mean if you have zero internship experience and want to go freelance like all the power to you i just think it's going to be extremely a uh, hard uphill battle right um, you know i think i kind of want to write this into some other questions here uh, because there's some interesting ones um i think we got a few questions from the discord and this one comes from Lewis makes. They say, is now a good time to start branching out as a freelancer or studio? Um, because of the, the coronavirus situation. Branching out in what sense? I mean, I read this as a lot of people have lost their jobs, been furloughed, you know, et cetera. And, are they going to look for new jobs or should they just start freelancing? I, you know, my, my first thought is like, I don't even know if it's necessarily a choice. I think more people are just going to be freelancers because of the economy. Like, I think that's the only option out there is that companies are not in the position to be able to hire a full-time designer right now they're gonna want to have that flexibility of like oh well i can't you know i if i can't meet payroll it's okay because i can just Mm. you know say say stop to this freelancer or whatever so so i definitely think it's gonna be a a trend but i don't know that's my novice opinion i have seen some companies post for designer roles right now which i do think is really interesting and like how is that onboarding experience going to be? Yeah. Considering 
the state of things. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I was talking to somebody who got laid off and they were saying, you know, they kind of had it in their minds like, okay, you know, the next three months are probably going to be pretty tricky to try and find a full-time job. So I, he was like, I'm just going to spend this time doing freelance work and working on my portfolio. Like it was just a very, like, this is my plan. Like this is, this is how far out I see things going. And so here's my plan. And of course he can adjust that plan on the fly, but I think it was just, I think it's good when things are so ambiguous to probably try and like set some boundaries yeah and set some like you know this is this is how much time i'm going to dedicate to this and then you know i'll i'll change as as things change but um it might be good and positive to set up some sort of framework for yourself yeah i also i also add on to that i think especially if you're in a situation where you were a full-time designer you lost your job and really your only option right now is to freelance. I would agree. Like, I think maybe you should just go all out. Just see how far you can see how far you can push it. Because that's kind of what happened to me. I didn't lose my job. I quit my job. But, you know, I intended to get a full-time job when I moved up to New York. And it just never panned out. And I just kept taking on freelance work. And all of a sudden, I decided, like, hey, why not just... Why not just try it? You know, I think especially if if you are, you know, obviously everyone has different, um, you know, liabilities and things, whether that's, you know, who you're responsible for and things like that. But if, if you have low responsibility and you lost your job, like I would definitely say go for it. Try it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also want to add on another question of this, James, because there was someone that I believe messaged us through Instagram, um, but they had an interesting question that kind of rides into this, how to, you know, figure out in uh, freelance slash internship. But um, this question comes from Design by From, and they say, what is the value of an internship slash freelance work after being a full-time designer for several years? Mm. Um I have several years of packaging and display design, and I would love to transition to an agency with a more broader breadth of work. I don't know how to position myself for it. I thought this was an interesting question because if you are, if you had worked at like a packaging company for you know three years or so, and then wanted to do, say, an you know industrial design studio, you wanted to move into like a consultancy, an ID consultancy. Would you consider taking an internship just to get the experience? I mean, I I kind of tried that. I kind of tried when in my first year, I tried to get an in, like, I was at Lifetime Brands and I was not enjoying myself. Yeah. And so I tried to get an internship, and I don't know if there was just a miscommunication, but they were like it, it kind of almost seemed like they were not interested in hiring me as an intern. They were only interested like in like they were only talking about we don't have any junior designer positions available and maybe i didn't just like hit the point home enough yeah but were you were yeah. you trying to were you saying like hey i just want to work for you guys 
I have yeah. really great skills. Like my, my skills are like senior level. Can I just work for you as an intern and I'll produce senior level quality? Or was it like, Hey guys, can I intern for you? And then you never mentioned the entire other part. Right. Right. I, well, this was, this, again, this was my first year out of school. So I wouldn't say I was going to produce senior level work for them, but I, um, I mean, I went in for an interview and everything and it just didn't, it just didn't pan out. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's so, it's so hard. Like, you know, I'm kind of in this process of like, you know, what's going on in LA and, and how I, how can I start to do some work out here? Um, and some, some industries are just very difficult to get your foot in the door. For sure. And, um, and so I'm, I'm kind of in that process of figuring that out. I think, I think it might just be like almost cold calling, but maybe not in the guise of looking for work, but just to connect. Mm, yeah. Uh, that's a tough thing. I, I don't know. I, he, here's a, here's an interesting question. Would you, cause, cause I, I have thought about this before, right? Like, what would happen if I just like emailed, you know, not to Fukusawa or Jasper Morrison and was like, Hey, I'll work for you for free for a year. Let me just yeah. go and let me just go and work for you full time for free and learn the ropes and then be able to come back with all that knowledge and build on top of that and really, you know, find that, find that niche. I mean, why not? It's a good question. I, I, I don't why, know. It's why not? I mean, you could you could at least start a conversation, maybe, you know, try try to start that conversation. Yeah. You don't know what's going to come of it. I mean, I say why not, and then like I, I don't know for some, for whatever reason, I'm not brave enough to make those kind of choices and decisions or, or uh, or do those kind of things. But I don't know. I don't see the detriment. Like, what's the worst? that could happen in that situation. Yeah. I mean, I, there's definitely not a bad outcome per se. I mean, obviously they would get that. I'm sure they get that request often. Right. I'm sure that right. they get that email often of like, let me work for you for free. I'll do anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure they the, do. Jasper and Nasfukasawa for sure. The desperate plea email. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. I think it definitely would be a challenge to even to even work for free for them, like to even get in there. I um, I have one I have one suggestion for you, Nick. What's that? To Rick Roll, Jasper Morrison. Yes. <laughs> yes. I I, I don't know if you get it, but I <laughs> I, I think, think that's your ticket. That's the only way to end for sure. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. It's uh it's really it's really interesting. The whole that whole aspect of the design industry is kind of, is is a big mystery to me. Which I don't aspect? know which aspect. Just just like the the working working for the the star designer aspect. Yeah, star designer area for like sure. Like how does how does one how does one get to that position? Yeah. Uh we should try to track somebody down. Well, we call up career machine. It's our, I feel like that's our closest lead. I feel like Creamy, I feel how like, you doing? I feel like Krim would, 
would be open to the podcast we've never asked him but yeah but uh but i don't know um I don't even what know. was the, we, the what qu- was the original question did we answer it uh well the the question was what what's the value of doing internships slash freelance work um before or after after doing this packaging thing um i mean i think there's a lot of value there like i would definitely suggest if anything, try to get a freelance job doing ID. Um, you know, whoever this person is probably doesn't have a strong ID portfolio. And this is your chance to do some personal projects, right? Do some personal projects and make some make a website. Really try to hone in that in that portfolio. And if you can do the freelance thing, great. Um, if not, do the personal projects. And, you know, maybe maybe it's worth it to quit your job and just go work for someone for free. I don't know the financial situation there, but it could be valuable. Yeah, totally. Anyway, I think we should wrap it up, Nick. Okay. Um, but shout out of the week. I, I mentioned it earlier. Oh, we did? I, I well, We yeah. didn't even talk about it. Yeah, I wanted to shout out Alex Hochstrasse, who okay. is the founder of Moluk, M-O-L-U-K, um, he does a lot of toy design. Moloch is, is specifically for kind of like toddler age, um, more like zero to five, zero to six, but just a very, like just an excellent designer. Talk about somebody, we should get Alex on here, uh, because he worked for Naoto. Um, really? Yeah. He worked for wow. Naoto for a little while and, um, but he's just got exceptional work. Where is he located? He's in Switzerland. Okay. He's uh, he's in Zurich, Switzerland. Um, he's got exceptional work. He does just really, it's it's like it's minimal but with tremendous character and and everything is very active. Um, everything is very interactive that he does, uh, and it's just really, it's just really quality design work. Um, and when you're looking for, for stuff for kids, for kids of that age, it's, uh, it's nice to see somebody that's sort of cutting out the typical noise that you see within that industry and doing just solid, essential design. Yeah, for sure. So anyway. That's awesome. Shout out to Alex. Yeah, we'll, we'll link to them. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're trying new things, trying to the Instagram Live thing. I don't know if we'll do ig live podcast again maybe we'll go back to zoom i don't know new times we're freaking things out but yeah. uh sounds good uh all right as always i'm at nicky baker and i'm at i draw receipts peace later